državljandi podcast za aktivne državljane. Welcome everybody. Uh, it's the 8th of November 2023, but you're listening to this episode of Citizen B podcast on the 15th of December 2023. With us today is Claudio Agosti, algorithms explorer and digital rights evangelist at the AI Forensics NGO. And the topic of today's discussion is worker rights in the digital economy. So first of all, hello, Claudio. Um, hello, and uh, thank you, people of the future. <laughs> let, let, let's start with, with the quick uh, recap of, of the report you, you co-authored. Uh, it's titled Exercising Workers' Rights in Algorithmic Management System. What does that mean? What was the topic of the report? What did you investigate? And what were some of the findings? Okay, uh, thank you. The, um, uh, the report, uh, it talks about a story, an investigation that has begun in 2019. In 2019, uh, I founded, I founded in 2016, uh, Tracking Exposed, that was a project uh, meant to do algorithm analysis. And we were analyzing a, a platform of uh, social media or of Amazon uh, and, um, and other web platform. But I get in touch uh, with... Uh, um, uh, Ponce Aida of the uh, European Trade Union Institute, ETY, uh, because I met her at the privacy camp, the uh, event uh, organized uh, every year in, in Brussels to put together uh, uh, privacy folks uh, and uh, other people concerned on digital rights. And uh, she was fascinated about uh, our approach uh, to analyze algorithms because uh, it's uh, a black box analysis you, from the outside, analyze what uh, a system is doing. And in 2019, uh, we met, I started to collaborate uh, with that institution to um, uh, teach a bit to trade unions how they should be uh, skeptical of the uh, apps that uh, run uh, on the, let's say, on the riders' um, phone to organize uh, their work, because uh, uh, those apps may uh, violate certain kind of privacy rights or also some kind of labor rights. And that's uh, uh, initially in 2019 was just um, um, an insight, um, an intuition. But only in uh, 2020 or let's say uh, around the time uh, we start to uh, try to make some investigation. And to do that, uh, we approached in two ways. Uh, the first was making a um, survey um, a set of questions that uh, were meant for riders to understand if they felt that uh, the techniques, that the technology that uh, organized their work was discriminating on them. That's because if you want to use uh, some, uh, if you want to bring it to court a company, you need to have evidence that uh, this company has did something bad. And uh, the evidence of the person that suffered the violation is a good beginning. Uh, in the other path, instead, we were uh, doing analysis that uh, was only technical. So try to do reverse engineering of an app. Uh, but to do a reverse engineering of a rider app, you need to have a login and password of a rider because the app start to um, execute and do all the um, potential privacy leakage or the surveillance of the worker only if you log in uh, properly. And uh, we need to find a rider willing to share um, 
a login and password. And that was particularly difficult. We also tried to subscribe ourselves to be a rider, but we did not get accepted. I don't know if it was because of the place we were living. Uh, but uh, uh, after 18 months, and that's uh, this huge amount of time, show one of the important um, costs of this uh, investigation that uh, could have been reduced and will be reduced in the future. Um, after 18 months, we found uh, um, a person willing to share those login and password. So we set up a mechanism, uh, mostly it was uh, Gaetano. Uh, a collaborator of uh, Tracking Exposed that uh, was the expert in uh, mobile security and set up this methodology that uh, uh, initially was uh, some static analysis. It's the same uh, that is uh, made by uh, Exodus Privacy, which is an online service I suggest you to consult because uh, it shows uh, by doing static analysis uh, how many known trackers are present in every mobile app. Then uh, um, with MITM proxy, is a proxy that allows you to intercept the traffic that uh, the app is performing uh, to the outside. And then uh, with the FRIDA. FRIDA is a system that uh, um, allows to run the application on a sort of uh, special environment where uh, the calls made to the system uh, can be intercepted and uh, recorded or modified. And in that way, we can observe when the app was actually um, accessing to the GPS or to other um, peripheral. So with these uh, three methods, we start to observe how the app was behaving. And uh, we start to realize that uh, as first was revealing the uh, location of the worker, even outside of the working shift. The second is that inside of the communication uh, about the profiles. So we were intercepting traffic and inside of this uh, communication between the app and the global infrastructure, you were seeing that uh, some, some requests were made by the app to understand who's the rider that is using the app. And so you were seeing the profile and the information tied to this profile. And then there were other requests more focused on getting new orders. Inside of the profile of the rider, there was a present a score. A score that, <clears throat> I mean, was not the number you could have expected in the sense that officially Glovo acknowledged the existence of an excellent score. And we realized that the excellent score was a different score. And so therefore, there was a hidden scoring mechanism present, or let's say present in this communication. Then how it was used? by the app or by the infrastructure, we don't know. But that was an evidence that even if it's not that surprising, for a labor unionist, it's very important to have this evidence because labor unionists in the past, they haggled, they requested that the worker should not be subject to, let's say, the vote or it can be subject to the vote, but the voting that they get from the customer should not impact their ability to work. And that is part of the uh, labor right. It's not that uh, your work can stop because uh, someone starts to vote you poorly. Even if this uh, seems to be a standard in the online market, because it's normal uh, for me when I buy something, uh, I don't know, on eBay, uh, to check uh, the trustworthiness of the seller, it's not okay that uh, if uh, your life and your work depend on a system, 
someone can uh, game this system and uh, start to downvote you and uh, make you suffer a, a lot of, uh, of business. And the last but not least, uh, we saw that there were also third parties not declared in the in the contracts or in the privacy policy that were getting all this information. So they were getting information about the user profile and also their location and everything they were doing uh, in the app. So you click it here, you move this panel, where you were when this happened, how much you were moving uh, in that moment, all those kind of detailed information were given to third parties. And that uh, is um, another problem, but uh, uh, I don't want to keep uh, uh, reassuming it. Uh, uh, there is um, the, the report that is uh, 60 page long, and there is also a video of uh, 50 minutes around um, with me and Joanna uh, that uh, talks about it. And uh, you can find it in the website Reversing dot works because uh, uh, tracking exposed the uh, project uh, that I mentioned before closed uh, this year and it became uh, two different projects one is AI forensics the one you mentioned that carry on the algorithm analysis uh, toward the influential algorithm so we look at TikTok uh, and Bing chat uh, and the language model so some part of the algorithm analysis is carried on by AI forensics Right, uh, reversing works uh, focus more on the impact of algorithm and um, surveillance capitalism in worker rights. So this uh, kind of effort uh, is captured by this uh, different group and the website uh, reversing works contain also uh, more reference about uh, this uh, report. So in your uh, investigation, uh, you've investigated one app and one company basically on one market, right? So so how fair would be the assumption that other providers of these types of services and the same providers in different markets are using the same, let's say, tactic, social scoring, hidden grades, and, and so forward? Do you think it's it's this this is limited to one market or is it present everywhere? I uh, believe there are insights that uh, make uh, us assume uh, this is a uh, um, frequent uh, um, condition. Because uh, uh, on one side, uh, the um, analytics third parties, uh, they are in between offering analytic service to the company, so showing how the app is actually used, but they're also uh, tied to the marketing campaign. So they use the data collected in this way to resell them in the advertisement or, I don't know, customer satisfaction or brand analysis market, I don't know. Uh, it's still part of the surveillance capitalism in the sense that uh, for me, if you install a third party that monitor my behavior and use this information to make a product out of it is the exact definition of surveillance capitalism. And uh, uh, those companies, let's say, use the offering of analytics or other uh, analysis services as a reason to be in the device. And that's, I believe, uh, is uh, a phenomenon that uh, is present uh, in many apps. And the Exodus Privacy, the website that I was mentioning, can allow you to inspect uh, which trackers are present on an app. And then uh, this tracker in all the apps that are present and that can give you an idea on how this uh, phenomena is uh, very widespread. 
this phenomenon is what spread in the app market. And the problem for me is uh, when this also has an impact on an app that you have to use to do your work because you are not a user, but you are a worker. So worker rights apply to you and not just term of service. So uh, because those apps are born under the uh, surveillance capitalist uh, uh, internet, it's uh, fair to assume that uh, this behavior is quite uh, spread. Then not all the apps have the same amount of trackers. All of them, or let's say the all, all the one I checked, have a, a heavy presence of Google services. So there is some Google infrastructure that run together with the company infrastructure and the Google infrastructure also receive a large amount of personal data. Now uh, we can talk about uh, Google and the Schrems 2 and the current uh, EU uh, US privacy agreement, but that is a different topic. Other kind of behavior like uh, secret scoring uh, or um, other kind of uh, uh, discrimination uh, also, I mean, uh, are, um, are all part of the business optimization that uh, made the gig economy effective. And now is the time for the worker and for the labor union and also for the regulators to be updated on how this problem is affecting the population and perhaps make better regulation. Uh, because uh, we cannot uh, expect uh, um, someone that start to make a tool that optimize and uh, optimize the delivery uh, and uh, it use this uh, tool in different uh, continent of the world only if it's <clears throat> forced we start to implement a different uh, policy a different uh, regulation and perhaps uh, something more protective for riders rights it, in a specific country, only if it's forced. At the moment, they are not yet forced. That's why I assume what happened in a market also happened in all the market where this app is present. Uh, before we, we move on to the topic of, of workers' rights, I, I just want to ask a follow-up question. So this app is workers or rider-specific, right? So it's not the same app as it is when you know consumers are are using it, I'm guessing, right? Correct. It's a different so, app, and required login and password. And um... so, so my question is: Would you say uh, the the consumer app is using similar, let's say, strategy and and approaches to getting more information about about their users than it it says on the label, so to speak? I believe that. Uh... Um, in the consumer app, this is granted, and that is also written in the fine print. Because uh, in, in Exodus Privacy, you realize how the um, analytics and, um, and marketing campaign is the same that is present in the courier app. So mm -hmm. it's really a third party that is collecting data from couriers and from consumers. In mm -hmm. the consumer, you have this term of service when you create your account that say, we're going to use your location because they have to deliver food to you. And therefore, when you have the app open, it's normal that uh, they know your location. And uh, they're going to study what you consume. So let's say it's not surprising that this is happening. This is, uh, made, let's say, more justified uh, as a way to give you um, a service. Instead, uh, for the for the rider that uh, your location is surveyed outside of the working shift, that is not justified. Mm -hmm. 
And and what was the the reaction or what was the yeah the reaction of of the unions? You you've mentioned you've you've cooperated with with workers unions on this on these issues. What are they worried about this? Are they paying attention? Is this a topic that they are, let's say, actively pursuing? Uh, partially, uh, in the sense that uh, <clears throat> I tried to work with the union and uh, explain how that uh, was a potential problem. But uh, the union don't have those kind of technical skills. That's why we start to make our analysis independently to show that uh, there was uh, um, evidence and potential. Then, uh, because uh, you have also to think how your finding can have an impact. And uh, we went to the Data Protection Authority. Uh, in 2021, uh, we start to collaborate uh, with a lawyer, but this lawyer took uh, uh, two years circa to uh, present a, a complaint, and this complaint initially was rejected by the Italian Data Protection Authority because uh, the data were too old. And uh, we show that uh, um, the version of the app was changing uh, nearly every week. And therefore, initially, they uh, rejected this apply uh, application. This summer, after this rejection, uh, me and Gaetano made a test, and instead of making a, a legal filing that uh, was uh, articulating potential violation, we just uh, submit a technical analysis. And uh, that's allowed us to make the analysis and the report in one week. And that has been accepted. So now there is an investigation open in the Data Protection Authority in Italy. Why uh, is important? Because uh, in 2021, related from our investigation, uh, the authority already fined Glovo for 2 million dot six. They did not have our insights, but they had other kind of uh, insights because they were running an investigation. Uh, they proceeded uh, ex officio, which is uh, the authority can investigate on uh, what they want because they feel is important. And because in 2019, in the Italian government, the uh, labor ministry was uh, making some uh, high level agreement with the riders' company, then the authorities start to make some investigation to verify how much they were compliant. And in 2021, that investigation was uh, concluded and the fault, uh, global faulty of many different reasons. Interestingly, Glovo appealed and in 2022 <clears throat> won the appeal. And the judge said to Glovo, you don't have to pay the fine because it's too high. But the authority, not only issued the fine, also requested for many remediation. Not always that the fine is the solution, is that the app stopped to be abusive, the, 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 the true solution. No? And Glovo apparently ignored all this remediation because we were doing our technical analysis in this time and we were seeing that the problem was still present. Now, after we submit our technical evidence this July, at the end of September, the Constitutional Court comment on the appeal and revert it and said, no, no, Glovo, you have to pay the fine. So now, after two years, you see that Glovo had to pay the fine, had to implement remediation two years ago, and that there is an investigation in progress that show that they did not implement this, this remediation, and there were more problems than before. So we tried to use GDPR as a way to uh, enforce uh, labor rights. And that's uh, 
even if uh, for us a privacy activist seems to be um, a linear behavior, for uh, a labor union is not. Because uh, normally a labor union protects a collective right. And they go to defend the rider in a different uh, um, um, a different strategy. They want to have their contract be fair. Uh, and then the, the company can do the business they want as long as the, the worker is treated fairly. What we want to argue is that uh, if you want to talk about power dynamics uh, in the modern uh, work environment, you need to understand how the technology works because uh, it's in the technology that the power will be exerted. So it's not just enough to protect uh, the uh, contractual uh, obligation uh, and the agreements. Uh, and so it's a new thing for the labor union think that uh, GDPR or privacy right can be used in, in this collective uh, frame. Mm-hmm. And that's why it has been uh, a bit complex initially to uh, engage with them. And uh, at the moment, uh, we don't have yet any kind of active projects uh, with unions. We are trying mm-hmm. to show that uh, they need to be trained to learn about this and showing that uh, this problem is present in every European country. So now mm-hmm. is uh, the replication and scalability of this experiment that is our goal at Harvesting uh, Works. You've mentioned you've mentioned GDPR. Uh, do you think the current European legal frameworks in this area, the Digital Service Act, the Digital Markets Act, all of this that is coming up or or has come up in 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 the past yeah few years, do you think these are effective legal tools to pursue these types of privacy abuses? So do we have, are, are they effective at what they're trying to, let's say, to do? Well, for privacy specific, I will relay only in GDPR. The Digital Service Act um, or, uh, or also the um, currently debated uh, platform worker directive, they may offer additional tools, but uh, mm, let's say Digital Service Act is not meant for those kind of uh, um, application and services. And also, I don't know yet. I did not make a full assessment on what are the new legal tools that we have in our availability and speculate how we can use them for worker rights. At the moment, GDPR is already giving to us a lot of tools and there are many paths that can be explored. One of the experiments we made was also to use a data subject access request because if you start to get data about you, you can start to understand what is preserved and based on what you get evaluated, based on what you get some service offered or not. And those form of transparency, they should be more enforced by the platform worker directive. But the, this directive uh, needed to be, uh, as first, uh, need to be completed uh, in this uh, uh, cycle. And uh, at the moment, uh, the, uh, the, the trilogue is uh, stuck uh, um, between uh, the contractual obligation. So should be the rider uh, be a, a, a full-time employee with uh, some contractual agreement that protect them or not? Uh, that is uh, where the focus of the trilogue is. There is uh, some some article that talks about algorithmic transparency and uh, um, possibility of oversight. And uh, those articles need to be translated in national law. And I believe there will be some uh, potential of, uh, um, of lobbying in that, uh, in that uh, 
in that phase because uh, algorithmic transparency is something nobody ever saw. If you look at what Instagram do, for example, is making a blog post that say, algorithm works in this way. But, but for me, algorithm transparency means that every time I get something assigned, I know based on what. And even if I get excluded by something, I need to know why. When I'm doing some activity, I, sh I should be aware if this has an impact or not on my ability to work in the close future. So transparency means uh, full accountability, full control, and uh, a constant feedback between what the app records about you and how this will impact your life. And uh, you see, this spectrum is not defined in regulation. It need to become part of the demands that a worker um, made. And perhaps a labor union should also promote those kind of demands because they can be part of the uh, collective bargain. At the moment, it's not. Uh, that's why uh, this fight for algorithmic uh, transparency, if not for more control, is still uh, to be uh, fought. Mm. The current regulation uh, help enough, and uh, really, even without new regulation, uh, we have uh, to explore uh, many paths uh, that GDPR give us. And uh, more than uh, having privacy activists exploring those regulations, um, it's matter to have a strategy that uh, is with the labor union, is uh, with other representative of the gig economy workers, is with the worker itself. Uh, that's, uh, if you want, is uh, what is missing and uh, we have to work in that direction. Mm. I'm asking because, you know, the election year is coming up in, in, the, in the European Union or in the Europe, for the European Parliament. And I'm I'm curious to to hear your thoughts on the let's say the media representation of these types of issue. Is this a, a topic that is being discussed in in the media reporting? The, the reason I'm asking is at least in Slovenia the political decision making processes and the media reporting go hand in hand. Right, the politicians are usually picking out. Uh, topics they want to represent or they want to address in let's say the parliament or in their work based on the the amount of media reporting um uh, the amount of media reporting uh, uh around a certain issue right so so if if an issue isn't reported enough or isn't reported on regularly then the politicians are saying okay I, i'm not going to get any any brownie points for for addressing this this issue so they just don't, <laughs> and I'd like to hear, uh, yeah, your your thoughts or or yeah, your analysis of let's say the 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 situation in 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 Italy in this field. Well, it's uh, quite weak in the sense that uh, we had some coverage uh, when we uh, raised the report, and also um, a section of the uh, CGL, which is uh, one of the important uh, labor union, uh, talk about it and uh, also organized a strike in Milan, where the riders were asking for algorithmic transparency. So that was the cyberpunk moment when actually the last layer of the pyramid demand for algorithmic transparency. But beside that, that event is a topic not touched, not discussed. Uh, maybe because uh, privacy or in general uh, data processing is uh, abstract and uh, it's not that compelling, it's not that seen as, as a problem. Um, 
a meat that did not catch up. Uh, it's different in Spain. In Spain, there is uh, uh, El Diario, is a media that uh, is uh, dedicated uh, to cover a lot of the rider issues, but that's uh, also because uh, Glovo is there. And there are other uh, companies that develop a gig economy based in, uh, in Madrid or somewhere else uh, in Spain. And there is the lay rider, so a dedicated law that protects more labor rights in the gig economy. So let's say Spain was a bit more advanced in the public debate, and that has also converted these demands into a better regulation. So what you say is correct. Perhaps if there is more coverage, there will be also more more progress in uh, in labor rights but uh, at the moment in Italy uh, we don't have a government that uh, care too much about uh, this topic and yeah, in other um, in other yeah. countries uh, i'm not that uh, aware of uh, special movements the reason i'm asking is exactly because we're slowly wrapping up and i'm trying to wrap up these these discussions in in a sort of looking into the future right so so what would be an effective way to to address these issues going forward we need more cooperations between privacy digital activists and and trade unions do we need, do we need better uh, better journalistic training in this regard to sort of you know uh, uh, hone the the journalistic uh, sensibilities around these issues so they'll be able to to write about them to investigate them uh, do we need better regulators so that you know activists and and other players in this field from from a non-government sector will <laughs> basically stop worrying about the atomic bomb because it'll be regulated well enough is it all of the above <laughs> yeah a bit uh, all of the above especially um I have to say also in the privacy uh, activism sector, despite in theory, uh, those problems have been uh, looked at, they were not considered different uh, from any other privacy issue. Instead, uh, they can give to us uh, more tools because uh, if uh, a privacy surveillance or privacy violation, sorry, uh, affects a regulation, a law that protects riders, that protects, uh, sorry, workers, and this uh, law is stronger than others, then is a legal tool that you can use to enforce also your privacy improvement. So this path has not been that explored. And, um, and also when I try to advocate for it or pitching to some, um, to some grantor, let's say very few are keen to this idea, especially grantor that came from the US, never saw the uh, labor rights as something important. Most of their accountability effort is focused toward disinformation or, um, or other form of platform accountability. <clears throat> but um, yeah, let's say labor has not uh, been a compelling keyword uh, even in our um, uh, sector of activism. Now I hope it will be um, how we can help that. I believe improving the amount of evidence. Uh, it's true that we made an analysis by involving one rider in one app in one nation, but that can be easily replicated. We understood what were the slow point, like finding a, a rider and uh, to give to us login and password. And uh, the legal filing, instead of 
filing a legal analysis, we can just provide a technical assessment to the authority and then they have the legal expert that will make a case out of it. So now that we identify the two slow points, we can train other uh, technologists to do this kind of reverse engineering. Train uh, union, uh, unionist or other advocate to do at least a superficial analysis and understand what's potentially problematic. And also talk more to the uh, workers. But uh, I mean, uh, it's clear that a worker that has already the problem of um, working for an app, perhaps uh, is not that interested in uh, the uh, technical analysis of that app is a, um, a kind of a reporting and analysis that uh, required a lot of technical information or a lot of abstract thinking on how these affect society, how these affect your ability and your autonomy in being a worker. No, At the end, the, the algorithmic influence uh, is not a, a problem that is compelling as, um, as other physical problem. It's a quite abstract problem. And we are still there. That's why, uh, for example, there is a documentary. Um, damn, I forget the name now. But uh, I will offer you the link. It's a documentary produced by some uh, um, some colleague in Hermes Center. They are part of IRP Media. IRP Media is a media um, initiative in Italy that uh, uh, investigate uh, the gig economy. And uh, they made a documentary that, uh, for example, interview a, a worker and uh, they ask her, so uh, what do you feel about the algorithm? And uh, she honestly answered, what is the algorithm? I mean, at the end, uh, she just get order in an app, you know, explaining what there is behind the scene, which impact, which power has is... Um, is not that uh, granted. For us, it is. That's why the privacy advocate, uh, I believe, uh, are the, the community that uh, more easily can start to um, catch up and eventually give some thought and efforts in this, uh, um, in this domain. But uh, the uh, large-scale uh, communication uh, has a lot of complexity. Mm. That's true, and and just one more one more question. Since you you brought it up several times during during the discussion, it's it's basically we always try to question the the idea of this empowered user, right? Because this is what's basically is sold to us by the you know app providers by the by the tech industry that you know we provide or they provide all of the information, and the user has to decide for himself or herself what does she want and what she doesn't or he doesn't want, right? It's it's also in the GDPR. So the GDPR is focusing on, on the personal capabilities of a user to be responsible about his or her data and, you know, to, to worry about it and to have tools that help her or him, you know, use the data, delete the data, remove the data, check the data and so forth. But on the other side, as you mentioned, you know, the user's, they're not all super users, right? They're not going to be very invested in this investigative work, reverse algorithm <laughs> type of dealings. So, so do you think we need uh, we need more emphasis on the, let's say, collective protection? So, so you've mentioned privacy activists. Do you see uh, as a possible solution also an establishment of, let's say, a government body like the 
information commissioner or the, the data protection authority to focus particularly or specifically on the algorithms, on the decision-making systems that are running, you know, behind the, behind the curtains to sort of, you know, speed up the process of, of uh, addressing these issues in, in real time. You talk about workers or uh, every algorithm? Generally, but yeah, we, we can focus on workers, yes. Uh, because for workers, uh, in theory, the uh, the body that uh, protects the institution, that protects uh, workers' uh, interests and rights uh, should be the trade union. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, the problem is that uh, they are uh, not updated uh, um, on the new uh, challenges, perhaps. Um, that's uh, show how if you want the institution uh, that uh, were uh, established uh, when internet arrived, uh, have not catch up and this, uh, we know it uh, because uh, we saw how certain kind of privacy regulation arrived 15 years after uh, the, um, the beginning of the surveillance capitalism. But, uh, um, but some, some institutions are even uh, tougher to change and to update themselves. Mm. And the labor union seems to be one of the most, uh, most uh, solid, traditional. <laughs> traditional. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and uh, indeed, uh, um, my hopes is that uh, this uh, algorithm or these uh, logics should be uh, transparently communicated to the worker and to the union, so they can oversee and uh, agree on what is in the best interest for for everybody. Uh, mm. We are far from from it, and, uh, mm. and regulation uh, may go in this direction, but uh, it need to be mostly a cultural shift. Uh, you need to have a worker asking for it, and you need to also to understand what is better for you. Because mm. uh, uh, think this example: if uh, uh, I just uh, made a delivery, and uh, I have to I bike it for uh, thirty minutes. Would be fair for me that uh, I stop for five minutes uh, to uh, take breath, or uh, because uh, I'm uh, in my working shift, I should optimize and do as much as uh, um, uh, delivery I can. So, what is uh, the, the logic? The algorithm implement also something uh, that uh, is thought, uh, thinking uh, how to better uh, optimize the time of the worker and how to better offer the services. But uh, what is better for the rider? Do the rider have a uh, ever had the opportunity to ask for it? Or do the rider have a, a special interface that say, okay, today I'm working, but uh, I don't feel that well, so uh, please uh, slow pace. Or uh, today I'm working and I want to make uh, much more as possible, much, much more money as possible, so please give me all the uh, difficult uh, delivery. So those are not uh, options uh, that uh, have been uh, ever discussed. But uh, that's, uh, if happen, uh, is a sign of a society that uh, actually understands the new power dynamics, understand how they're implemented, and has all the actors that uh, uh, equally speak and uh, ask their demands. Uh, we are far from it. Mm. But that is what I hope to see uh, or what we have to work for. Uh, fingers crossed. Uh, thank you, Claudio. Uh, I guess the, the 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 final call to action would be update the trade unions. <laughs> that that would be that would be a good start. 
Uh, and the so, yeah. <laughs> New learn. Thank you so much, Claudio, for, for sitting down with us. Best of luck with, with your future endeavors. Uh, this was a Citizen uh, D podcast episode. Uh, we publish an episode every month. So we'll see you next time.